right, let's do it, fellas. How y'all doing? It's another Houston Round Bar Reviews. Folks talking sports. We are live. I'm Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review. Joining me as always, the youngster of the trio, Andy Yanez from Paul mm -hmm. Samajama, Community Impact Newspaper. Another hat he may have on soon. Who knows? He still does other stuff. Um, you know, Mr. Mr. Versatile. Another versatile brother here, Willie Gibson from, what is it, WTG Sports? Is that it, is that it sir? Yes, it is. WTG yes, it Sports. Is from Ohio and he also covers the Ohio State University. Uh, we're doing it at four o'clock today because we wanna uh, wrap it up in time for ourselves and our viewers, fans, supporters to tune in to the 5.30 tip off Central Time, uh, summer league matchup between the Rockets and the Cleveland Cavaliers, which will be shown on ESPN2. I think right now, um, Toronto and, and the Knicks are playing. Uh, I, the little bit I saw, I know Quentin had made a shot, a three-point already, but the shot uh, after that he missed, but the defense was solid. So, you know, but as UVH Twitter account, to their credit, to their, and marketing themselves, they got to do that. They mentioned that Quentin Grimes and the Knicks are playing at 3.30. Armani Brooks and the Rockets are playing at 5.30. And then Dejan DeRoe and the Heat are playing at, I think, 9 o'clock. All on mm -hmm. TV, so representing um, U, U of H men's basketball program. So that's good to see. But let's get right into it, fellas. The Olympics have wrapped up. NBA free agency started. Let's talk with uh, free agency first. Anything surprise you? Anything good or bad about a team? What were they thinking? Because money-wise, I'm not going to hit anybody getting that bag. So if they got, if a team want to give it mm -hmm. to them, go ahead. But it. Anything surprising? Andy, you first. I'd say the thing that's most surprising uh, would be the Miami Heat, just how active they were adding Kyle Lowry, adding a lot of defensive presses, presence. They also added P.J. Tucker and kind of switched around the roster a little bit and the extension they gave to Jimmy Butler as well. I think um, they're putting themselves in an interesting position where they're trying to make a run and get back to the NBA Finals like they did a season ago with the NBA bubble. And I think right up there, you got to put the Russell Westbrook trade. I don't think, uh, you know, many people had that on their radar before it happened. Willie, how about you? Yeah, that was my surprise. The Jimmy Butler extension kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, he's eligible for it clearly, but four years, 184. Man, it's clearly letting, they're letting him know that he's the man and that his, his relationship with Kyle Lowry is what got Kyle Lowry in, uh, into Miami. But that was, for me, the shock is that the four years, 184, again, no, no shade, you know, secure the bag without question. You know, no, no guns have ever been pulled in the contract negotiation. So they, they put it on the table, you sign it. But that was a shock for me. What, what shocked you? The, the timing of it? The timing of it. The timing of okay. it. The timing of it. Okay. Uh, any, anything so far in terms of signings? I have in my mind what I think has been, what I think could be the best signing for a team, free agency wise, I liked Brooklyn getting Patty Mills. Mm -hmm. I like that signing the most. You know, the Lakers going veteran. Okay, we'll see how that all fits. But I liked also them getting some youngsters in Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn and Taylor Horton Tucker. So they got a nice balance there. But in terms of signing, I like Patty Mills' fit in Brooklyn, backing up. Sometimes maybe playing with Kyrie or Kyrie does one of his Kyrie things. You know, spaces out for a week or two. Got a solid backup in Patty Mills. What do y'all think? 
Yeah, I agree. I think that's a perfect, especially now that they lost Spencer Dinwiddie, I think he's a good fit just in terms of being that veteran presence in terms of the backup guard position. He's versatile. He can catch and shoot, and he can also create shots. So I think he'll be a perfect fit for the Brooklyn Nets. You already saw Kevin Durant after, uh, I believe it was one of the games where he was with Patty Mills on the Instagram Live, uh, just messing around, but just right there. Uh, if KD likes him and embraces him, you can see right there, it's a good fit. Will? Yeah, I agree. I mean, Patty Mills is a very versatile player. He's someone that, as you said, if Kyrie does Kyrie things, he's a viable backup, a viable uh, someone, especially with, as Andy said, losing Spencer Dinwiddie, someone that is a veteran, someone that comes in, uh, has this talent, has the skill level to not miss a beat if, and I'll say when, Kyrie does what Kyrie does. And you're not wrong in saying that because Kyrie has a track record. I mean, because so we're not throwing shade on Kyrie. This Kyrie does what Kyrie does. At some point, he's going to do something, say something, and he's going to miss some games. Mm-hmm. How about KD? Speaking of extensions, contract extensions, how about KD getting his, his huge deal? Thoughts on that? Yeah, that was yeah. the other thing that kind of caught me by surprise just in terms of how quickly he, he signed it. And I know uh, a good majority of Rocket uh, Twitter kind of were not happy with that extension just in terms of with the big swaps that Houston and Brooklyn made a part of that James Harden trade. But, you know, I mean, good for Kevin Durant. He secured his long-term uh, bag, as everyone likes to say it. And I think it's perfect for the Nets. And I guess it's a little bit surprising just in terms of Kevin Durant committing for so long to one organization, but with the NBA, you're never sure how quickly things can change. Will? Uh, agreed. Um, it was almost a foregone conclusion to everyone that uh, the big three, if you will, of Kyrie Harden and KD would become free agents next year, decline their player options, and then re-up, make the decisions either collectively or individually. But Good for KD to step up and say, no, I'm going to go ahead and forego that player option now and secure the bag at four years, 198. Is, how about uh, the Rockets getting in a sign-and-trade 6'8 forward Daniel Tice? Is that a good thing? Does it make sense to, to you guys? You see him fitting in? What, what are your thoughts? I'd, I'd see him be a good fit, especially after the Rockets lost Kelly Olynyk, bringing another veteran presence to a young core. And in terms of his contract, it's not – I believe it's a three-year deal with a team option on one of the finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. four years, years with the option, team years on the, on, the, on the fourth year, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Correct. So, I mean, it's not necessarily such a – it's not a contract that will be immovable, and certainly if the Rockets are looking for flexibility – trade down on down the road it's a contract that can be moved but for this season i think it's a good signing not only to fill in that more that kelly olenic will live but just to have another veteran presence on the roster and a young core will yeah solid player i mean you know you know a, a rotational guy um you know someone that as as i understand brings that that veteran uh presence someone in boston who has a recent winning pedigree hopefully he can bring some of that to uh to houston and uh be a presence is does it bother you that he's six eight not six eleven 
Me? No. Um, no. No. I mean, again, I, I, I look at him at, look at him as just a, a, rot- a rotational player, someone that, um, you know, seventh, eighth man, perhaps, and uh, provide that veteran that veteran presence and uh, bring some type of recent winning pedigree. Andy. I, I think the Rockets are always going to end up in an interesting side in terms of size. But like I said, I think the fit is more important in terms of size than anything, especially with uh, the new rotational players and even the rookie uh, that we've talked about. as Sanguine, um, he's another big that the Rockets have. So I think for Houston, this is much more of a, uh, a role player signing where not only can they have that a spot on the roster, but also to have, I think, the veteran leadership is more important. I check this stat out, and and I hope Cade is. He just he just beat me to it. I was about to ask him to chime in with a comment on on our, in our comment board. Um, check this stat out from the Rockets PR department. Tyus joins Giannis and Hawks forward John Collins as only players to have shot fifty five percent or better from the floor with at least one hundred three pointers made since uh, two thousand seventeen eighteen. That's interesting. So thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, he's and he joins his numbers his last few years, nine points a game, six boards, one block in fewer than 25 minutes per game. Only other folks to do that, A.D. and Robert Covington. So Tice has a role. So, you know, I mean, Tice and Seawood, we'll see how they play together. I think Tice will defend the bigger dudes that Seawood just can't do. I mean, just not really – good for him to go against bigger guys up front but i like the fit but let me throw a curveball at you is tyus a better player than kelly olenic a better fit i wouldn't than kelly say oh shit um i would say not a better player in my opinion um a fit for houston um What is, I guess I would ask you guys, since you you are closer than I, what is the fit? What is the what is what, what is it that Stephen Thomas is going for? Before I can really answer, if he's a better fit than Olenek, I think it. I think it's more of what I touched on: his versatility, defending bigger players. Mm-hmm. Um, he's quick enough. He's mobile enough to yeah. defend some on the perimeter. Just make it easier on Christian Wood to not have to go against the. You know, bigger bodies, you know, things like that. that. That's what I think my take is on it. Andy, what do you think? No, I, I agree with Will. I think that uh, Kelly Olenek was certainly the better player. And, and fit is such a interesting word. I, th- I think Kelly Olenek was a great fit for the Rockets last year, especially, you know, with how often Christian Wood was out of, in and out of the lineup. Uh, he was much more physical player. He was more versatile in terms of post move that he could score and he could also step out and shoot three. Uh, I don't think Daniel Tice, uh, maybe a, a, a different role, but I feel like Kelly Olynyk would have been a much better uh, if they had retained him. And the, the contract is getting into too much of the of the into the specifics, but you know I feel like Kelly Olynyk was a better player, and you could argue better fit just in terms of how versatile he was. I think Olynyk would have cost more than Rockets wanted to pay him. Yeah, and that's him. I agree. Yeah, the deal he signed with Detroit, three years, $37 million. Tice, four years, $36 million. So maybe a better value there. Mm-hmm. Um, Rockets still have the trade exception to go out and get somebody else. I saw 
Rockets Twitter, some we're really hoping that would be Kelly Oubre. Uh, okay, but you know, he, he's going to Charlotte. So Rockets still looking for someone to kind of fill that spot to be a what what are the Rockets missing? Ask you guys. They're young. I I think I like the fact that they seem to have a plan to build for the future. I hope they don't spend too much time with Eric Gordon and John Wall taking up too many minutes from the youngsters. But what are the Rockets missing right now besides experience? I would say a leader. I mean, is John Wall going to be the leader? I mean, one, how long is he going to be there? Are they looking to, to keep him at $44 million? Or I hope if, not. If not, <laughs> right. So who's going to be the veteran leader? I mean, is Daniel, is Daniel Tice the one that they're looking to? Um, I, I hope Gordon? not there too. Right, exactly. My, th- those are my points. I don't, I don't, I don't know the veteran leader that's on that team. You know, Gordon is on his way out. John Wall, forty-four million could be on his way out. So is Daniel Tice the veteran leader that they're looking to? I, I, I hope not, Andy. My bad for cutting you off. But get ready to comment. Uh, I hope the veteran's going to be Christian Wood, mm-hmm. a young veteran. That, that's what I hope is somebody like that. Because I, I, Eric Gordon and John Wall, their time here, the Rockets should be limited. Okay, I understand John, John Wall is a, a, John Wall will make a great coach. I really see that a lot of folks believe his, his basketball knowledge IQ is tremendous. You know, he, he does a good job taking the youngsters under his wing, all those things. But the money that he's getting, no shade on him, but his, his fit here, he's he needs to go to a team that is ready to compete for a championship. That ain't the Rockets. Okay. But if, if John Wall is content with that role of being a, a locker room guy, still getting some minutes in production while still getting that check with no help, no hopes of winning a championship. Okay. I mean, cause Vince Carter played 20 years and at some point Vince made up his mind that he was content in his role. He wasn't happy. He wasn't chasing the ring. So if John wants to do that, fine. But if Rafael Stone can get something for John Wall, he needs to look into it and make it happen because it's all about the Rockets program going forward. But yeah, I, I think Christian Wood could be the veteran, the young veteran for the team. He's got to you know grow into it. He's got to play like it. But that's, that's my take. Andy, what do you think? Yeah, I agree 100%. You took uh, who sh- I feel like that leader should be, and it should be Christian Wood, just in terms of much younger. I believe he's like 25 or 26 years old. He, You'd imagine he'd be with this core a lot longer than John Wall or Eric Gordon or even Daniel Tice. And, I mean, I think besides that, the thing the Rockets are missing, and, and you mentioned it besides experience, um, maybe you could see one of those younger players also step up into not necessarily the alpha leader, but just another – presence that commands respect if that's the right way to phrase it in terms of whether it would be Kevin Porter, Jay Sean Tate, who they can, if they're not necessarily the leader, you can look to them and whether it's Jay Sean Tate on defense, if there's something like crunch time and you need someone to get a stop, 
or Kevin Porter or someone else like that, where you need a basket, you you can go to them and, and grow in that aspect. I feel like that's something that the Rockets will be missing. And hopefully it, it ends up with one of those younger players that, that fills in that spot as the season progresses. And, and I, I agree with Kate, scoring and defense. That's why Jason Tate right now, because Garuba hasn't arrived yet, Jason Tate, mm. probably the team's best one-on-one defensive player. Uh, we always should like that from being the Ohio State University, Jason Tate. But Garuba, Garuba at some point, if he lives up to the hype, he should become the team's best defensive player. Not saying that's going to be this year as a 19-year-old, but at least you, with Tate, Garuba, if Jalen Green backs up his words in terms of wanting to be a, a complete player on both ends of the court, That'll be a third piece for defense. Um, Kevin Porter Jr., well, you can you tell me if you think Scoot's going to be a two-way player. I, I, don't, I don't see that. I mean, he, he just seems like a bucket getter and assist guy. But you tell me what you think. Could, could Kevin Porter Jr. be a, a great, good-to-great defensive player? Uh, the little – I'm sorry, was it to me? I'm, yes, I'm, you, you will, yeah. Yes. I I think he can be. I think he can be. Um, for the little, you know, I said this with Trevor Day. The little I saw of him in Cleveland, um, I definitely believe he he has he has it in him. He has the pieces. He has the talent to do so. It's just a want to, you know, a want to. And are they asking him to do that? Because clearly, I mean, from what I've seen, he has the ability to be a, a great two way player. But are they? asking him to do that and before i have a question for you the two of you and you tell me we talking about veteran leadership in houston granted after as we see how the stays of progressive i'm sure he regrets turning down the extension um and olenic signs with detroit if victor oladipo was on this team would he be looked at no as no no hell no hell no no wow no okay no strike 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 from the record okay no unless (laughs) his mentality changes because almost all of us thought when he was a rocket he he had one foot out of the door to miami immediately (laughs) i mean it was immediately (laughs) he he said all the right things all the right things about being you know a great guy um doing what it takes here while he's you know all the right thing he said all the right things but no, no, none of us thought he was a long-term answer for the for the Rockets. No, so I'm you know going to the Heat and and Vic, he's got to get healthy first, you know, and yeah. he resigned, be up with the Heat. I wish him well. Only a one-year deal. Yeah, because he's got to bet on himself. Prove you know he's got to get healthy, man. Stay healthy. The talent yeah. was there when he was healthy, but. He didn't shoot well here with, when he was with the Rockets, and everybody could see that he, he didn't want to be here. You know, he, 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 yeah, he just took up space, you know, so no on that one. Um, let's, let's get into LeBron and responding to the hate about the Lakers being signed all these, these veterans. And I'm going to say it right now, August 8th. 
they're veterans. The Lakers are a veteran squad as long as they win. If they start losing, they're old. Hmm. So we'll see how they – and the talent is there. And everybody's talking about signing Dwight and the older heads, you know, trading for, for Russ and all that. Folks forgetting one key, key factor. If AD can't stay healthy, it's not going to matter who is, is who's on the squad. If it's Dwight, Kendrick Nunn, LeBron, Russ, whoever. If AD has not changed his diet, his workout routine, and keeps missing games because of nagging injuries here and there, we're wasting our time talking about the Lakers. Andy, what, what you say? Yeah, I agree. I think I said this last week where I think the biggest question mark for the Lakers, and this was before I, they added Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, and a couple of them more veterans. The key for them is just their health. And, I mean, not even Anthony Davis, but LeBron James, too. I mean, this past season he had struggles. His first year in Los Angeles, he had a, another injury problem where he missed a good chunk of the season. That's the biggest question mark for them because if they can stay healthy, especially once it comes towards the, the end of the season and they can get a top five seed, they're going to be in a great spot and they're going to be a tough out just in terms of who they have on their roster. But, I mean, yeah, I feel like that's the biggest question mark for them. And even then, it, this is kind of giving similar vibes to the team in Cleveland during the 2017-18 year where they signed a lot of veterans. They filled around Derrick Rose, Dwayne Wade. And that roster was a complete disaster that ended up changing by the trade deadline. It was a completely different roster. So I wouldn't be surprised if things really went bad. That happens with the Lakers here. But I agree. I think the number one question mark for this Lakers team is just health. Mr. Ohio, what, what say you? Mr. Ohio. Um, I think so. I think it's um, the key is, is the offseason. They have a full offseason. I think it's. 138 days from the night Phoenix eliminated them in the first round to opening night. Last year it was 71. So the fact that they have double the time off to recover, prepare their bodies, as you said, AD, prepare his diet, what have you. I think LeBron in year 19, along with all of the other pieces they added around him, I think the game is going to be so much easier for LeBron. LeBron's not worried about the regular season. He's not. Agreed. He's not. His goal is I need to get to the playoffs on in tip top condition. And I think Russ, one of the one of the benefits of having Russ there is Russ can do some of the heavy lifting in December, January, February that will allow LeBron to preserve his body in year 19 to get to May, June, April, May, June. So and as you said, health is definitely a key, but I think that those with those are these pieces are four. And then on a side note, LeBron's like three thousand points away from breaking Kareem's all-time scoring record. I think there's going to be a concerted effort this year with LeBron at the four to get him that record. If he averages just twenty-seven that he's averaged throughout his career, I think he gets it done this year. And I think the Lakers organization is going to be on high alert to hopefully get that done this year. Well, this a curveball for you, man. Mm -hmm. Is there with the Rockets and Cavs tipping off in 
little more than an hour on ESPN2. Is anyone besides Evan Mobley someone to watch on the Cavs? No. That's straight down the middle. That's not a curveball. <laughs> not a curveball. Okay. No, no one at all. Okay. I mean, Lamar Stevens, maybe. Uh, a rookie they signed at the end of the last season for Penn State. Lamar Stevens. But no. Not really. Okay. All right. Because, you know, with, with the roster, the Rockets roster, of course, Jalen Green. This is the summer league roster that the Rockets announced. Jalen Green, uh, KJ Martin. Armani Brooks, Josh Christopher, Usman Garuba is on the roster. They have not uh, put out a press release officially announcing that he's been signed yet, but I think that's a, a matter of time. Kyrie Thomas, Alperen Shingun, Anthony Lamb, Trey Fields from Yale, one of the old heads, born in 1996. Jalen Tate, Jalen Tate. Not Jason, Jalen Tate, Jason's brother. Um, Marcus Foster, Matthew Hurt from Duke. Any of those guys besides Jalen Green you're kind of curious about seeing? Andy? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. I'm curious to see Armani Brooks. Not Obviously, we know that he can shoot the ball, but I'm curious to see how his body looks and if he's more of a, an active defender and physical. I think that's the biggest thing that he needs to prove to be able to to take that next step in the NBA because we talked about it. Obviously, his calling card is three-point shooting, but in order to be able to make a lot of money in the NBA and be a, a key player, and whether it's with the Rockets or any team, he has to pick it up on defense, and, and his body has to fill up. Agreed. And I, I wish I'd have thought about put, putting up a picture of Tremont Mark uh, before and after. Mm. Well, I don't know if I sent it yeah. to you or not, but a uh, freshman, Jamon Mark from University of Houston. Well, first, Alan Bishop, strength coach. What is it called? Excuse me, physical performance coach. I think that's what it's called now, not strength coach. Physical yeah, performance. I think it's strength. Mm-hmm. Something like that, you know. Title. He tweeted a picture of, of Jamon Mark from last year compared to Jamon Mark now. Well, Tremont Mark last year looked like me. Okay. okay. Tremont Mark Director now. Tremont Mark now looks like. Oh, let me see. Uh, he's a sophomore. Will be a freshman again, technically. You know, in the college, getting the year again. Looks like. Oh wow. Let me see. Um, Draymond Green. Oh. I mean, he's huge. He he looks. Like he could play some football, like be a tight end going across the middle at six foot five. He looks just rock solid. Let's say six four, six five, Andy, maybe two twenty, two twenty-five. He looks mm-hmm. huge. So he I don't know if he officially last year he may have been 185, 190. Oh wow. 195, maybe. I mean, okay. He won 200. I would be shocked if it was 200. But man, the picture of him, he's yeah, bigger. He's 185 less. Yeah, he, he ain't that now. If, if he is, I mean, it is truly all muscle. Truly. So he's ready to. So if Armani can start looking like that, how Tremont Marks looks now, 
that might be, you know, some guys just don't have that kind of build, you know, because um, I've gotten, I've, I got old man weight, so I've, you know, put on a few LBs as I've gotten older, but Armani's not nowhere near my age. He needs to get stronger and bulk up and, for goodness sake, play defense better. Rebound, he, he was a good rebounder last year for the most part with the Rockets. We've yeah. got to play defense, take better shots, not just settle for threes and all those. Mix up his game, get to the bucket, finish at the rim, which would help if he's stronger so he finish through contact. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in this summer league, not just tonight, you know. And let me just say this to, to Rocket fans, Cavs fans, Pistons fans, Knicks fans, fans of your team, you know, NBA team. Don't freak out if the star rookie struggles today, game one, game two, game three, game four. Don't freak out. Okay. Just relax. You still got training camp. You know, they have time to, you know, practice more, get more acclimated, more comfortable to the NBA lifestyle and NBA practices and all the NBA game, all those things. Don't freak out. Nobody's going to be a bust in August. Okay, just keep that in mind. Don't freak out if, if Jalen Green misses four shots in a row. Oh, my gosh, Rockets made a mistake picking it. Calm down, people. Or Shingun misses a layup. Or, oh, my gosh, oh, no, what are they doing? I thought he was, he was so good in Turkey, MVP. They said all this kind of stuff. Folks, calm down. It's summer league. Okay, it's August, not October, not December, not February, not March, not April. It's August. Calm down. Enjoy it for what it is. It's entertainment. It's basketball content to fill time. <laughs> That's what it is to me. I'm looking more forward to post game to hear about what the players have to say when they talk to us uh, post game. That's that's what I want to see. I'm not gonna just freak out, you know. Just just relax, okay? We're gonna shift gears. So to my people, take on YouTube. Watch this on YouTube. We're gonna shift gears for a few minutes to, to some football. American Athletic Conference football, AAC football media day took place on August third and fourth. Really August fourth because the third was more of. Previews on ESPN Plus. The interviews are done on August fourth. Andy, did you watch it, man? Did you watch any of it on ESPN Plus? Yes, sir. I, I was able to catch uh, on ESPN Plus. No, but I did catch uh, what Mike Oresco said and what Dana Horson said uh, during media day. Okay, so that's a good lead, lead in, young man. Thank you very much for that. So, first clip <laughs> we're going to hear from Commissioner Mike Oresco. He addresses the elephant in the room. It's about a minute. He discusses commentary alignment. That's about a minute. Get your thoughts. Come back and get your thoughts on that comment. Then go to about a three-minute clip where the first question of the football media day, the first Q&A for Commissioner Resco is from AP writer Ralph Russo with asking Michael Resco, what have you, have you said to the teams in the American who may be thinking about leaving? So first things first, Commissioner Michael Resco and his thoughts on 
realignment, because everybody wanted to know about this. It wasn't a shock. His state of the conference address was 20 minutes. His realignment was one minute. Here we go. This conference is always going to do what's in its best interest. We're a strong conference with a strong brand. We have a membership committed to excellence on and off the field and, and court. We're aggressive in our goals and ambitions, but with respect to realignment, the way we look at it is if there are schools interested in us, schools interested in us who would enhance our brand and be a good cultural and competitive fit, then why wouldn't we consider them? What happens down the road, whatever happens down the road, we're going to continue to focus on growth and excellence and continue to compete at the highest level of intercollegiate athletics, which we have always done from the very outset of this conference. This conference is, is as I said, proud of its achievements, but we're not satisfied by any means. There's much more to accomplish, and we're going to remain steadfast in our mission to provide our student-athletes with the highest level of competition and the highest level of support in their academic and other endeavors. Everything froze there for, for, uh, for a minute there. I don't know. <laughs> Commissioner Resco is trying to bogart our time there. Um, <laughs> but what are your thoughts on what he said? Yeah, I'll go first. I remember uh, we, we actually discussed this day on and I and Pot Simon Gemma. The way we described it, it was kind of the political answer where, you know, you kind of he addressed the situation. He says, you know, obviously he denied the ESPN or the report by the Big 12 commissioner accusing them of plotting with ESPN to take the Big 12 teams. And he said that he wasn't actively pursuing, but he puts that nugget in at the end. If it makes sense, of course we're going to pursue it. Um, it's not really much you can say from that comment, in my opinion, just in terms of it's what he's supposed to say, but I'm pretty sure behind the scenes they're looking at every avenue they possibly can to see if they can take some of those teams. Well, what are, what are your thoughts on what you heard from the commissioner? Yeah, yeah what I heard was a quintessential non-answer answer. He said a lot of great vocabulary. He said a lot of words, but at the end of the day, didn't say anything. So, I mean, as, as Andy said, he pretty much said what you expected him to say in a, in a moment like that. You know, he read from a prepared statement, so that lets you know he thought about it. And his, his, his team had him prepared. So he, he said a lot to say nothing to me. I, I, I agree. And if you thought that was a non-answer answer, as I said, wait till you listen to this. And this was the how we tipped off the Q&A from, from the media. It's about three minutes long. The first person you'll see will be uh, Chuck Sullivan, the media director for The American. Then a question from my AP writer and then Commissioner Resco. So here we go. This is going to be fun. This one uh, from Ralph Russo. Ralph, if you can unmute yourself uh, and feel free to ask a question. Hi, Mike. Can you hear me okay? Hi, Ralph. Uh, yes, I do. Thank you. Good to see you, Ralph. You know, you addressed a lot of the realignment stuff, so I don't necessarily want to make you go over everything again, but um, with this type of movement, it, it does seem to make sense that 
you know, uh, other conferences might be looking toward the American and the American might need to, you know, maybe play some defense. Um, have you had discussions in your conference about how to protect, how to best protect yourself? In other words, why stay? Um, have you had to have that meeting with your ADs about why it would benefit them to stay with the American as opposed to possibly going elsewhere, specifically to the Big 12? Yeah, absolutely, Ralph. We've, we've discussed with, with our membership. Uh, you have to, obviously, what, what our strategic vision is and why uh, it would be wise for them to stay in this conference, which is a, you know, a, a growth conference, which is a conference that's strong and, and stable. You know, I think instability is a real, a real concern here. If a conference uh, isn't, isn't stable, then who knows what its future is, whereas this conference is. And we think that uh, we've got a, a great future here. And so, yes, we've, we've talked about you know, our, our teams and why, you know, the, why they should stay. But again, I think for the most part, though, we've talked about what, what our future is. You know, we've, we've been cohesive. You know, one never knows what's going to happen. But, you know, we, we uh, at this point, if... Uh, you know, one of the concerns we have is, you know, we obviously uh, have, have a great, great conference. We know that. Uh, and with all the, you know, the things swirling around now, uh, we don't know what, what's going to happen. So we just want everyone, you know, to, uh, you know, step back, you know, look at the situation. And uh, we're, we're basically staying calm and just analyzing the situation, Ralph. That's, that's really uh, what we're doing at this point. And a very quick follow-up, and it's very specific, so I don't know how much you'd be able to actually answer it, but um, have any schools from the Big 12, the, the eight schools that appear to be in the process of being sort of left behind by Texas and Oklahoma, have any of those schools reached out to the AAC about possibly uh, joining the league or having a landing spot if that conference falls apart? You know, you know, Ralph, I would say, you know, I have not reached out to, to anyone at the Big 12, but we never talk about whether, you know, anyone reaches out to us. Uh, and again, I just don't want to even even discuss it. Uh, we uh, I've observed recently that, that other commissioners are hinting, you know, at adding teams and some are even more than hinting. Um, we don't discuss these things publicly, Ralph, and I, and I, and I, I think I, I would really leave it at that. Thoughts on that, Will? Thoughts on that, Andy? Yeah, uh, the thing that stood out to me was how when he was talking about the things they kind of pitched to, to teams that might be thinking about leaving the American Athletic Conference and how he said, we're a conference of growth, but then he comes and turns around and says, oh, we're not looking at any any options. We're not going to speak on it. Uh, I don't know. I think it goes back to his statement where honestly he's in a spot where he can't say um, he can't say much publicly, especially right now you have the Big Twelve um, in a bit of a desperate mode. I don't know. Like it's a lot of don't much in my opinion. Will, what are your thoughts on what uh, Michael Resco said? Yeah, before when I said the first one was the quintessential non-answer answer, I take all that back. <laughs> I take all that back. That second one, yeah, he said a lot. He said a lot and didn't say anything because first he said we're stable, but we never know what's going to happen. You know, things are swirling mm -hmm. around, and yeah, he back double talked a few times, and I kind of took note like, oh, okay. And at the end of the day, he didn't say anything. So I mean, again. 
what you expect him to say at this point. He's already, you know, um, the, the Big 12's already been accused of tampering, or ESPN's already been accused of tampering, so he's kind of treading the slippery slope from that perspective. He doesn't want to say anything that could be construed as him going after other schools. So, I mean, he, he played it safe. He, he did what he had to do. Uh, agreed. I mean, there's not much he can say. I, mean, I understand, you know, we have to ask the questions to see if we get an answer from, from him, from the folks, the higher ups. But my thing is what, what can the American do from this perspective? If they cannot get autonomy status by adding two, three, four, five, whatever number of teams and by some miracle, the leftover eight in the little 12 cobble together. They stay together and they keep their autonomy status. Then what, I mean, what can the American do? Andy? Hmm. Mm, nothing, honestly. If they, if they can stable and keep their P5 status, it doesn't look like any of the American will be able to, to make, what do they say, get their way in into the power six that they keep branding themselves as. Um, honestly, if the American ever wants to consider be in that conversation with the autonomous five, they need to expand and they probably need to take some from those big 12 schools. They're competing with the big 12, whether Mike Oresco or anyone else wants to admit it or not. It's survival of the fittest in my opinion. And well, I'm going to come to you for your thoughts on it because, and we, then we're going to get into the predictions of the finish for the conference football. Unless the little 12 schools break up, go their separate ways, look out for each individual program, the grant of rights to conference will still be there. They're going to get paid from money from Texas. They're going to get paid from Oklahoma. Unless, my understanding, unless the conference disbands the teams you know if it's just two teams leave will have to pay exit fees well why do i want to do that <laughs> you know especially if those exit fees are more than what i'm going to get from the american mm -hmm. by joining the american so that mean it really does for the American, it really is imperative for them to that the Big 12 disband, just collapses. Because then, if there's no Big 12, then there's no, no exit fees to pay. There's, so you don't have to worry about the money that you owe the conference because there's no conference. What, what, what do you think about that, Will, that scenario, that possibility? Oh, that's very plausible. And, and if they don't do anything other than stay a Big 12 conference until the day after the check clears or the wire comes through. That's what they're going to do. They're not leaving millions and millions of dollars on the table to join. And no disrespect. Well, with all due respect, which we all know that means the next statement is about to be disrespectful. With all due respect to the AAC, they're not leaving that money on the table to join the AAC. They're not. They're not leaving that money on the table to join the Big 10, for that matter, ACC, for that matter. So we're talking what seventy six and a half million dollars, I believe, is the number. So yeah, if they leave, yeah, two years left, yeah, right. They're not leaving that money on the table to join the. the stop, stop. 
like I said, if they don't do anything other than stay at Romantic Conference until the day after the wire hits the account, so be it. But yeah, that 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 money is good as the no. Mm-mm. Okay, now I'm just playing devil's advocate out there before we go to Cliffs and Dana Ogerson, U of H football coach. I would still be stunned that teams don't leave. Sure. You know, um, but I have heard, I mean, I think I read, who was it? K-State, Iowa State have already been told no by the Big Ten. I mean, like rumors, whatever kind of thing. But if that's true, they're running out of options. You know, the Pac-12, boy, I tell you, man, the Pac-12 thinks very highly of themselves, man. I mean, their revenue money is not as great as other uh, Power Five conferences, but they act like everything is perfect. And these schools in the Midwest, in Houston, and Oklahoma State, and TCU in Dallas add nothing to the Pac-12. Huh? I mean, I just, I just, I don't understand their the Pac-12 mindset. You don't have people watching y'all in the middle of the country, so you're you're losing out eyeballs by not having a presence in the middle of the country. And you know, and the merger talk. Well, you know, if Pac-12 does an alliance, excuse me, alliance talk with Oklahoma State and um, okay, yeah, I want to see the fans in Corvallis, Oregon spend money flying to Stillwater for that matchup. Yeah, okay, that's going to happen. The teams in in Washington State and Pullman, they're going to do the same. Yeah, got to circle the calendar. You know, uh, we're, we're, we're playing, we're going to Waco. We got to see up we're going to Lubbock rather than pick four teams, have a, and what do you want to call it? Eastern division of the Pac-12 where you have U of H, TCU, Oklahoma State, Baylor with Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah. That seems to make sense to me. More sense than a scheduling alliance who cares about that? I'm not going to. Nobody's going to. But let me step down. Y'all comment on that. Well, the Pac-12 has new. The Pac-12 has a new commissioner, so he's like all out. Like I'll say whatever. I'm I'm new to the game and I'm bringing fresh ideas. And it's like mm, no, not really, not really. You're not. Um, as you said, I, I like your Eastern Division. Of the Pac-12 conference idea, I like that a lot because what they have issue with now is, for example, September 12th, um, Oregon plays at Ohio State. It's a 12 noon kick, big noon kickoff. It's 9 a.m. in Eugene, Oregon. Are they gonna get the eyes? Now they'll probably get up because it's Ohio State, but to that point. How consistent are you going to get that West Coast eye right. at nine a.m. and And how often are you going to play Ohio State? Right. True. 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 Andy, so, what do, what do you say? I'll keep it simple. If the 
other conferences like the SEC and the super conferences that people keep talking about actually does happen, I mean, the Pac-12 is going to have to swallow its pride or whatever it is that it's making it seem like they don't want to expand and they're going to have to do something. Like I said earlier, um, for basically every other conference that's not the SEC, uh, maybe you could throw in the Big Ten and, and I wouldn't even say the ACC there, but I mean, it's a rival of the fittest and you're not expanding. You're just closing doors of, to, for your own success. But Andy, are you talking about expanding, expanding as in adding teams or the scheduling alliance talk? I'm talking expanding, adding teams. I mean, scheduling alliance, like you said, I mean, I mean, if you look at some of these teams, you mentioned the rural colleges, whether it's Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma State. What's that going to do to any of the West Coast teams, especially, I mean, even look at the Los Angeles schools. Will anyone from UCLA want to travel to the middle of the country for any of those games? No. So, so yeah. I mean, the, the Alliance talk, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. We look at it from our perspective. And, I mean, just simply add the teams and, and form another division because that way you don't have to worry about them except for the most part maybe once every four years or on the conference championship game but you you become the pack 16 you get the middle of the country market which should help i think should help your revenue the eyeballs will get that you'll get the matchups that you'll get with u of h tcu oklahoma state tech Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, those matchups there would be good. But, you know, I. All right, let me play these clips f f from uh, Dana Hogerson and Will. If you love those, love the Michael Resco, you're going to love the, the Dana Hogerson ones. So here we go. First up from, from Colts Hogerson. Here, just, just listen to this. Uh, everybody's excited this time of the year. Um, you know, we were excited going into last year. I thought we made a lot of strides from year one to year two. Um, you know, we, we sat here and, and, you know, you guys mentioned, I think there were upwards of about eight games were canceled. So <clears throat> never got really got into a rhythm. Uh, you know, we were at full strength, you know, for probably the first two games and it never, it never quite re, uh, regrouped after that. So, uh, but that, that's water under the bridge. I think we learned a lot from it. Our team learned a lot from it. Our coaching staff learned a lot from it. Um, our schedule kind of sets up a little bit better this year. We're not behind the eight ball uh, the entire year like we have been the first two years. So uh, excited about getting this year going. Schedule kind of sets up a little bit better. Kind of. Kind of. As we've discussed on two or three of the previous shows, if they don't win eight games minimum with these cupcakes, Hogerson should feel some, some warmth on his chair. But Andy and Will, you know, you're from the Ivory Tower from The Ohio <laughs> State University. So just hold, hold on for a second. Yes, sir. Andy. Real talk, if by some chance Dana does not go at least eight and four this year, does U of H have the money to buy him out? 
Hmm. That's a good question. He'd be this is entering his third year, so he'd still be owed about eight million after this yep. season. Uh huh. I don't. It depends exactly. how bad. Like <laughs> if they have another four and eight season, three or, or worse. I mean, then you, you the pressure is certainly be on Chris Pesman or Renu Couture to make a move. But I, and like Joseph said, um, Joseph Duarte told us two three weeks ago. Who who's who would you bring in and then be better than Dana Hogerson at that price? Or if you were really trying to be a power in the branding, I think U of H calls itself the powerhouse. It's such a tricky situation, but honestly, I I don't know. They they're kind of in a stuck in neutral mode now. I don't if I'm being really honest, I don't see them making a move unless if they have another one of those really bad years. And I'll give credit to Dana Homerson, and you might play this in, a, in another clip, but he seems to kind of acknowledge that pressure. And one of the comments that he said, uh, I'm not sure if it was for the football media availability or the press media availability he had once here in Houston, but just look at what he talked about Clayton, too, and he said this is his third year in his offense, and he should be see improvement. If he doesn't, then it's on Dana Homerson himself. It's his fault. He should own up with it. I think that's a, a good positive sign to see that he acknowledges not only that the U of H football team has pressure to win, but he himself is taking full responsibility on it. I mean, he didn't even, uh, I'm talking about last season, he didn't say it didn't count or bring up that they were affected as much. He said it happened. We, in the past, now we got to look forward to this season, which for all intents and purposes should be a, a successful year, the most successful year he's had since he's been here in Houston. Well, Eight and four. If they, oh, let's point back up. President Couture, Andy, she said Mm -hmm. coaches have been fired for going eight and four. Right? She said that. Yeah. Okay. So if, and with this schedule, this girl is not murder's row. If they go eight and four or less, let's go, let's, let's say six and six. Well, if they go six and six, man, oh, man. But six and six. Mm-hmm. Who's gonna buy? Who's gonna pay it off? I don't have that money. I'm an alum. Andy just recently graduated. He's not making that kind of coin just yet. So, Eight Tillman coming off the pandemic too. Yeah, Tillman doesn't have that money. Tillman's waiting on other folks, other alums to start pointing up money. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really what he, he's like. Hey, I've, I've done a whole bunch for the program. It's time for some the rest of our wealthy donors to to pitch in and, and care, help share this freight. Now, Will, from yes. Ivy Tower from Columbus, what are your thoughts on what we're talking about? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm so unfamiliar, number one. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> eight wins. That's like... Yeah, we're like 11, 12 over here. And no seriousness, though. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what he said when he said we took a major leap from year one to year two. He did say that, right? Yeah. And then he mm-hmm. said we were behind the eight ball because we got eight games canceled. And we're, I'm like, well, you just said you took a major leap. So now I just had to say that. Um, Aiden Ford to save his job. 
That's interesting. Now that's, and, that's, and that's us talking. That's us right. talking. Right. That's a possibility that he won't even make that. Uh-uh, that's wow. Year three. That's kind of tough to fire a coach after year three because you like to get him, you know, a cycle of his guys in. So we can always say, well, you know, I didn't have my guys. That was the former regime, and I never got a chance to fully implement my system. And okay, so now hold that. Hold that thought, Will. You said that, Will. Hold that thought, Will. Hold that thought, Andy. Hold that. One more clip from Coach. Because this one, let's see if this changes your tune a little bit. Um, earlier in the spring, you talked about how this 2021 season was really important just for the football program at Houston to do its part in terms of all the other athletic success um, that the university universities experienced. <clears throat> Have you felt that sense of urgency from your guys in the locker room that, you know, this is the year we need to really take that step forward? I know you've talked about the vibes a little, um, but just like, have you felt that <clears throat> sense of urgency from the team? Yeah. Yeah, I really have felt that. I think our, our team is, is older and more mature. Uh, I believe this is the oldest team that, that I've had, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, a lot of experience, but, but guys just are older in the, in the – they've been here, they've been through it with me for the last three years. Uh, you know, last year was a big year, and people said last year didn't count. Well, I guarantee you last year did count. Uh, the record is what the record is. Uh, but we did make progress in year two, and I do – believe that we're going to make progress in year three but uh, having older guys you know like two of the guys that were coming up here right now in Clayton Toon and, and Marcus Jones guys are older they're mature they've played a lot uh, they're good players and and I, I believe they feel you know uh, a, a sense of urgency to get out there and, and, and win some ball games in 2021. And of course the questioner was friend of the podcast friend of the show James Mueller asking that or I will Hey, Cougar, of course, from Lady Cougar, yes. Sense of urgency. That's what he said. Thoughts? Yeah. That, what I heard there was, do you want me to lose my job? <laughs> That's what I heard. That's what I heard. You know, those guys know, you know, I, 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 only thing missing was I love those kids. That was the only thing missing <laughs> to me. Andy, he said there's a sense of urgency with him and the players on this year's team. Is that a good thing? Yeah. It's about time? Does it matter? Well, it, it certainly is about time. Like we, we mentioned it, uh, that Renew Couture said that they'll fire coaches for going 8-4. and four. And, uh, Two seasons in, Dana Hogerson hasn't even won eight games total. So that's, that's difficult. And I wanted to add one more thing that, Hogerson said uh, during Friday when he spoke to reporters here at U of H, um, he said that we finally got the roster where we wanted. End quote. So I mean, he's not—he's uh, not putting any excuses. He's putting himself up there where, and they don't see any success. I mean, I could totally see U of H making a move. The difficult part is how bad. What? What is bad enough to get U of H to make a move? Is it six and six? Is it worse? I mean, I'm not entirely sure, but when it comes to Dana Hogerson and the way he's approached it, he he's acknowledged it not only in that clip and beyond. I don't know. It's it's a tricky situation. Okay, and the superstar has joined, and real quick, we're gonna to go to uh, Valencia King. But real quick, the preseason poll predictions for the American Athletic Conference football. Cincinnati, of course, picked to finish number one. 
two UCF, three SMU, four Houston. Right there, if I'm Houston, you cannot finish behind your in-state rival. You just can't. Of course, this is preseason. But SMU's recruiting so far, I think, is look better than U, U of H. That's a problem. Five, Memphis, six, Tulsa, seven, Tulane, eight, East Carolina, and tied with Navy, 10, Temple, 11, South Florida. Boy, South Florida, y'all in Florida, man. Y'all just can't finish last. Come on. That means too much talent for y'all to be dead last. But shows you how far that program has, has fallen off the cliff. A note from the American, the favorite in the AAC preseason media poll has ended up winning the conference title just twice in the league's first seven seasons. Well, I think this is going to be a third time because I don't see anybody past Cincinnati. They're the team to beat. Clear favorite, overwhelming favorite. But anyway, we're going right to Valencia King. Hello, Queen. Thank you very much for, for joining us. How are you? I am doing well. How is everyone today? We're doing well. Andy, you don't know Valencia, do you? I do not. So, yeah. yes, Valencia and I met, as a lot of the guests so far, uh, via A.J. Jones, via lunch break. So that's how we met, and we're just uh, sharing the knowledge and wealth and trying to make every, help everybody out. Absolutely. Nice to meet you, Andy. I'm in the mobile office today, as you guys can see. <laughs> yeah, so where, where are you headed? Oh, I'm out right now in Dallas. Um, got an event to cover a little bit. So, yeah, I'm just happy to be here with you all. Okay. Well, how long? Let's tell folks about you and what you do and how long you've done it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, can you hear everyone can hear me? Okay, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. Perfect. So I am Valencia King. I am a talk show host, speaker, sports reporter as well. I just honestly have the gift to gab. I don't meet strangers often. Um, I've been in the media slash entertainment um, realm for going on 11 years in December. And I just knew that I had to do something where I was talking to people. I always let people know that I love to share my story while helping others to share theirs as well. So I've been covering professional sports since 2006, seven season with the Mavs. Um, I've covered NBA, NHL, um, MLB, NFL, and a few other off the wall sports as well in the meantime, in between time. But yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Um, so yeah. <laughs> And you, I believe, have a chance to see Luca up close and personal. Yes, yes. I'm very fortunate to see uh, Luca Doncic. As people say here in Dallas, they say, holla, Luca. Um, <laughs> so it's been pretty good, you know, just kind of watch him progress as a player because obviously coming into the NBA league, he was a rookie, quote unquote, but he had been playing professional for many years before becoming an NBA rookie. So he's a different kind of rookie, you know, since he's been in the league, but actually just seeing him progress, being more of a vocal leader for the Dallas Mavericks. We saw a little bit more of that during this last season, last season especially in the playoffs it's been pretty pretty cool to see you know um I know he came in with a lot of expectations a lot of people demanding of different things of him but we have to remember he came in at like 20 teenage you know right off of that teenage um year mark so just kind of seeing him grow into a player has been pretty cool has Lucas surprised you at all so far with what he's accomplished um I wouldn't say surprised but I'd, I'd say more or less I've been 
just kind of monitoring how he handles the quote unquote pressure, if you will, because sometimes players and just in general may not see what we deem as pressure. They may not see it as pressure. They just see it as their job and what they're paid to do. It's what they love to do. So they get to do it. Um, But just from the media, the outside looking in, just seeing how he handles different things as far as just being welcomed in by the Dallas Maverick fans, because coming in behind Dirk Nowinski is not an easy task. You know, there were a lot of not necessarily comparisons on how they play on the court, but just comparisons on how they will run their team, so to speak. And he's been handling that pretty well. Valencia, how long have you covered the Rockets? Oh, gosh. Um, Probably since the 2006-2007 season, I got a chance to cover the Rockets. And it's a funny story. I actually covered Oklahoma City Thunder before I even covered locally here on Mason Dallas, before I covered the Dallas Mavericks. Um, so it's just kind of that triangular effect. I know OKC, Houston, Dallas, we're not too far from each other. So it's been it's been a while. And, fellas, she, she comes to Houston as often as she can. <laughs> so, and, and Linton, now correct me if I'm wrong. Do you drive back after giving <laughs> that like the, after covering the Rockets in Houston? Do you drive back that same night? So yes, I have um, not all the time, but let me let me just explain for everyone. My grandmother used to be a, a 18 wheeler truck driver, so driving is just in my blood. So whenever I'm coming to the games, um, it's not I don't come by myself. It'll be me and one other person, um, whether that's you know somebody from the Real Talk Sports team, whether it's Dex or Ro or Frankie or Miss SWK. Um, there's always somebody with me, and so you know not driving late alone at night alone for anyone who's worried about my safety. Um, but yeah, you know it's it's really um, it's kind of funny here in. Dallas, there was a meme, if you will, going around that says, um, would I rather drive to Fort Worth, which is about 45 minutes away from Dallas, or would I rather drive to Houston, which is about, you know, three and a half, four hours. And everyone, the, the running joke is that I'd rather drive to Houston. You know, it's just an easy drive. Now, don't ask me about driving to San Antonio. I don't love that drive. <laughs> and you got any questions for, for Valencia? Um. You know, since you've covered the Rockets for a while, I'm curious, what are the differences um, or similarities that you've seen between the games of James Harden and Luka Doncic? Oh, wow. So I think one of the main differences that I've seen between James Harden and Luka is just their background. We have to remember Luka Doncic is obviously a foreign player and James Harden just has a different upbringing than Luka Doncic. So I think when you talk about grind and grit, it's going to be a different level when you consider James Harden and his background and how he, you know, cares about the community of Houston, and he shows that through and through. Um, Luca is also engraved in the community of Dallas, so I mean, I know that they both care about their communities when they, well, obviously when James was in Houston, but their backgrounds are so different in how they got to the league, so that's kind of the, the difference I see in when they play. Like, I, I know Luca loves the game of basketball, but when I watch James Harden play, it's not for play play. He's taking this completely, you know, serious. He loves this game and he he's it's, it appears to me from the outside looking and it appears that he's appreciative of every moment because of what it took for him to get here. What are your thoughts on Jason Kidd as a Mavs head coach? Listen, that that decision had my uh, sports group chat going crazy because there were quite a few people that have been saying that Rick Carlisle needed to just part ways from the Mavs for a few seasons. So once that happened and then they decided to elect Jason Kidd, the Jason Kidd as the coach, um, for me, it's 
I don't know what to expect. I don't. Um, I know Jason Kidd obviously got the approval from Rick Carlisle because Rick Carlisle on his way out even made the comment of saying, I'm the only one that has coached Jason Kidd and Luka Doncic. I know this will work. But we just have to wait and see. We really have to wait and see because we know what Jason Kidd has been able to do as a player and even in the coaching roles. But this is it's just different. This league has changed since Jason has been in the league. Um, so I think we just have to wait and see. I'd be curious to see how many quote unquote plays they run as a team versus letting Luca just kind of do his thing and play freely. Um, we also have Tim Hardaway Jr. who's officially, you know, signed back with the Mavs. So I'm interested to see how Jason Kidd is going to work in Timmy. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's going to look different, but I just don't know if it's going to be different in a progressive way. What was the reaction you got from, from you, you and your crew? about the hire was any flack because of jason you know past some of it some of his issues in the past yeah so there were some people men and women um who just kind of had some concerns because of jason kidd's past and i think one of the main reasons that it's a conversation is because he's a public figure if you will because we know everybody whether the cameras are on you or not everyone has a past Everyone has mistakes they've made. Everyone has things they've gone through. Everyone has a past. But the thing is, everyone else around them may not know about it. But since Jason is a public figure and it's accepting this very much public role, it is a conversation that had to be had. And I appreciated in his actual introduction press conference that they didn't shy away from any of the tough questions, if you will. Um, they addressed his past. They addressed where he's at right now and the, the journey that he's on to continue and, you know, the ways he's feeling that he's progressing. Um, even um, MAF CEO St. Marshall was there, um, Mark Cuban as well, and uh, Nico Harrison. They all kind of just, you know, made sure that they didn't run from any questioning. So I appreciated that part of it. I was going to get all of the panel, but Will kind of went out again. He's come back in again. What are y'all's thoughts on the men's and women's team USA's both winning gold in the Olympics? Andy, you first. Yeah, I think <laughs> they proved a lot of doubters wrong, especially on the men's side. Speaking of uh, the rest of the world had caught up. I think uh, certainly the gap has been closed. And something that I've seen a couple of people argue, I think what these Olympics in particular showed is that the United States, when it comes to basketball, is still clear cut better than the rest of the world. Now, where the gap has closed is the USA can't mess around, have an off game without it coming back to bite them. They need to play relatively well to still be able to compete and have the success that they have seen in the past. But when push comes to shove, Team USA is still the best at basketball when it comes to the rest of the world. Valencia? Yeah, I think, Andy, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, Team USA, there was a lot of conversations in the beginning, you know, some some questionable things, you know, are they going to be able to do it? But at the end, they did actually get the gold. So I think that's all that matters. But like Andy said, the gap is not as big as it used to be. So some of those, you know, early on mistakes, early games, they won't be able to have that down the line. Um, and I think it's evident. And as it should be, you know, we expect for other countries to represent and get better as times progress. So we want to see more competition, at least for me. I want to see more competition. Um, not that to say, you know, if it's no competition, it's an easy, you know, gold medal because none of this is easy, to, so to speak. But I do mm -hmm. want to see more competition. And for the breaking up. Yeah. Well, let's go. Let's yeah, go was, to you. It was pretty amazing. 
Team USA. Um, yeah, I think uh, we talked about this before. Just the commitment time, the time. You know, this team came together on July sixth. So you know, and as time went on, you could tell. And not only did they get together July sixth, they lost interchangeably six players. Devin Booker, Holiday, and Middleton came in. Kevin Love went out. JaVale McGee came in. Bradley Beal went out. So I think just the, if we had a consistent, and we talked about the three-year commitment previously, you know, that if Grant Hill, the new head of USA Basketball, were to implement that, um, I think that will make a difference. But um, the talent was there. I mean, France, France is a great team. I mean, they have multiple NBA players. Defensive player of the year in the NBA is the starting center for the France team, the French national team. So I think it's just more so the time. And those teams have been together for years and years and years. Each summer, those guys go back home to their own country and they play nationally. So just a consistent team, a group that they can pull, a pool that they can pull from year in and year out, and they have that cohesion, those training camps they had in Las Vegas and years previous, I think would be beneficial. But with everyone with their separate brands, how much commitment are you going to get from that? I don't know. But as far as the women, I mean, it's just a well-oiled machine. I mean, since 1992, I believe, seven straight Olympic gold medals. And Dawn Study has been a part of six of them, whether it be as a player, assistant coach, and now her first, her first go-round as Olympic head coach for the women. I mean, it's just that program is just full steam ahead. And I'm glad you brought up the, the women's success. Uh, and I got to disagree with Sean, you know, time and then. I think the days of blowouts for the men's team in the Olympics are over against the other teams that have okay. NBA players. The teams, other teams that other countries that have four, five, six NBA players. So now, you know, Czech Republic, teams like that who don't have the NBA caliber players, they still wax them. Iran, you know, whatever. They still wax them. But when you got a, when Team USA is going against a France and Australia, you know, it's got three, four, five, six good NBA players on that squad, I think those blowouts are over. KD, was sensational for three quarters in the gold medal game. He took one shot in the fourth quarter. He, you know, 9.36 left. He, he passed the ball. And all of us, I was like on Twitter pleading for them to get the ball to KD, for KD to take shots. He passed up some shots. Other guys came through, all, all those things. But it's just, they did enough to win. They held on to win. It helped that Rudy Gobert missed five free throws because I still wasn't sure what in the world they were doing trying to defend Rudy Gobert in those high pick and rolls. The formula is there. You got to have somebody who can defend the perimeter. One, two, three people. You got to have big bodies to throw at teams, big centers. Um, you know, and Rashawn's 12 is more than four. Okay, Rashawn. The NBA, let's see, how many of the first, second, and third team All-NBA, Giannis ain't American, Luca ain't American. So there are other guys like that who, who are not, Rudy's not American. So you're, you're pulling down 
the elite NBA players for the U.S. aren't all going to play for Team USA. LeBron's probably done playing for Team USA. Still probably done playing for Team USA. So the best of your best from the U.S. aren't playing for U.S. As Will said many times, Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant's a piston. Jeremy Grant did not belong on this team. <laughs> okay. You know, Kelvin Johnson. Kelvin Johnson is a pop guy. Kelvin Johnson is not one of the best players in, in U.S., but he's on the team. JaVale McGee, role player. JaVale McGee is not one of the best players, not a first, second, third team all NBA. So those days are over. Dream Team NBA, those days are over. But Valencia, turn on your mic because on my end, it's like your, your mic's off. But okay, there we go. All right. Valencia, what are your thoughts on the women's success? And Dawn Staley says she's done. She got her six, she got her gold medal as head coach. She's done as head coach. Thoughts on that? I mean, they say when you walk out, you got to walk out on top. So I'm not mad at it at all. Um, but with the women's success, I was really not necessarily surprised, but really good to see Brittany Griner. I think she finished with about 30 points um, in the in the gold medal game. But um, I just I just love it. And then even afterwards, this is off the court, of course, but their social media, they had their, you know, TikToks or trillers going videos with them and their medals. And it was just really fun and really good to see, you know, you work hard so you get to play hard as well after the job is done. And I'm not going to ask you to comment on this, Valencia, but looking at the Asia Wilson's TikTok, those ladies can drink. (laughs) 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 And UConn players, I mean, they're so used to having success, you know, since college, Mm -hmm. high school. It's not a problem for them to throw back some champagne and and bottles. They're just like, what else you got? I mean, (laughs) like some steward. (laughs) Tarasi, <laughs> Sue Bird, every picture you see them after winning championship, they got the big bottle of champagne, and they just, yep, yep. So hey, maybe that's the key. To, so. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but in the women's team, seven consecutive gold medals. Seven. Only other in team sports in the Olympics to equal that was the first men's basketball team with the Olympics. Was it? Basketball was brought into the Olympics in 36, 32, something like that, whatever. And then seven straight. I still, 72 Olympics when they were robbed. I don't even count that silver medal. So to me, go back another year, go to the next Olympics. Because, Andy, do you know about the robbery of the 72 Olympics? I do U.S. Rob, Research that. Google that, man. That, that was a, a travesty. You, you talk about politics getting involved in sports. Google that Olympics. That gold medal game between U.S. and Russia, just the biggest travesty in basketball history. I mean, just period. It was so ridiculous that the U.S. team, I think, will correct me if I'm wrong, be correct me if I'm wrong, they have yet to accept their silver medals. You're right. Some players from that team. They did not go out to the podium. For the medals, for the anthems, none of that. I think Doug Collins, I know for a fact, he says he will never accept a silver medal from that ridiculousness. So, but yeah, Andy, Google that. And I think the final five seconds took an hour. I mean, it wasn't that long, but at least 25 minutes. File, no file, basket, review, 
No basket. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, just, just Google that. Valencia, who do you think should replace Don Staley as head coach? That's a great question, and I don't have an answer. It's so, it's so early. It's so early because I think people – I don't know if people are in shock. But it's kind of one of those, those things where it's like, man, a good thing coming to an end. So I don't know. I don't know. Andy, I'll chop your head. Do you have anybody in mind? How about Ronald Huey? I kid. Ronald Huey. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Seriously, there. Um, Valencia, are you going to cover any of Summer League, NBA Summer League? Oh, she lost her. Oh, we lost her. Uh-oh. Will? I have one, Chris. I have okay. one. Yeah, Adia Barnes. Adia Barnes, Arizona. Mm, I it makes sense, but one thing going against her, and I say two things. One, Don Staley has already uh, suggested Cheryl Reeve, who was on our current staff, coach GM with Minnesota Lynx as well in the WNBA. But one thing against Adia, I think this summer when she was on one of the younger squads was Adia's first time in the USA basketball pipeline. So I talked about politics in the Olympics against in the Russia, us men's 72, there's politics involved USA basketball as well. You got to be in the pipeline. You got to start at some point younger as a player coach, get in there, become part of the family and, and then go from there. So, but I think Don bringing Adia in to coach, be on her staff, and I think it was a competition in South America um, in July, June, July, will help Adia get into that pipeline. So maybe somewhere down the line, she can, you know, first become an assistant coach on the, on the Olympic team and then head coach, you know, down the line. Hopefully I'll be alive to see it. But the fellas winning the gold medal were the first to win after losing an open round game since Russia did it. I forgot how long ago that was, but the team, the, the formula is, is set. You got to have guys who can play defense, perimeter defense. You got to have guys defend the, the post, and you got to have guys who can make threes. And a lot of threes, a lot of guys that make threes. Because and it comes out apparently that Dame played, not sure when it happened, but he played at least part of the Olympics with an injury. I don't know if it's abdomen, Shams Ranya uh, tweeted out late last night that Lillard was injured and he gutted it out uh, for the team. But guys, is that the reason? Is that injury the reason why Dame's defense was crappy? for almost his whole stint with USA these last few weeks? It's a reason. It's a, it's a reason. Um, go ahead, Andy. No, I was just going to say that he mentioned what part of his uh, body the injury was, too. I'd have to look and see. I want to – I'm not sure. It's his abdomen. Abdomen, right? Abdomen. Yeah. Abdomen. Yeah. Mm, I could see him affecting it, but no, <laughs> it's such a – 
I wouldn't know if you could pin it directly off the defense on that one injury, especially we don't know how long it was. Was it for the entirety of the Olympics or was it during the Olympics that he got injured? Okay, well, let me go at it like this. Is Dame a, a good to great defensive player when he's healthy? Hmm. Diff Are we talking... I think he 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 could be at minimum he could be an average defender. I don't know what you mean by good to great. I don't think he can necessarily be come down five positions and and lock down a top score for for a good majority of them. Uh, but I think when the when he needs to, if he needs to get one stop, he can lock in and defend a guard in the NBA. Okay. Depends who it is. Now, if we're talking Steph Curry, I could I could see him struggling. But if we're talking, so, so maybe he can be an elite defender. Now that I think about it, but I mean, he's, if it he, comes down to one, he, he's not Drew. Okay, he's not Drew Holiday. Right. Okay, he's he's not right. that. But I'm just he really. And you know his 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 fat contract is chicken in. Mm -hmm. I'm really wondering if Dame is just going to be a a one way player the rest of his career, just going to score, 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 and just give up a lot of points on the other end. So I'm not sure if if Dame if his defense is ever going to be there. Why? I see Valencia back. Will, I don't know. Will, which one are you on? Which one are you? Uh, yeah, I saw that. I don't know why the second one popped up. There we go. Okay. Valencia, I'll ask you before we close it out, and thank you for uh, joining us on Folks Talking Sports. In your opinion, is Damian Lillard a good defensive player? I would say yes. I would say yes. Just because of the attention that he demands. I mean, we've seen it time and time again, not that he can just shoot from, you know, the whole other side of the court, but the attention he demands given a regular season game, playoff game, what have you. Um, I think that calls to say that he is a good defensive player, um, offense and defense, but Defense, I, I don't think there's too many people that are going to look at Damien that's guarding them and think they just have an easy day. Mm. Okay, but I think that day's coming. <laughs> I think it's coming. If if it's not this coming season, the next one is coming. And Father Time is undefeated. So I'm just saying, I, you know, and the load he has to carry on offense, you know, so much. Being, and I'm not asking to be elite defensive player. I'm just asking to be not a turnstile defensive mm. player. That that's where I think he's getting closer to turnstile status, and no shade because I'm not an NBA. Okay, I can't guard any of these folks. I I'd have problems guarding y'all right now. So I'm you know, you know. Let me just put that out there right to be clear. All right, we're gonna close it out, Valencia. How can folks find you on the social media platforms, the internet? Yeah. Oh wow, we're losing her again. We're losing her again. Uh, try to come back in, Will. You, how, how can folks find you, Will, and with you? Wait, you're buffering, so <laughs> so go ahead, Will. Try to try to fit it in beforehand before she comes back. Will's a uh, dark screen in mine. I can't see him. 
Okay, okay, that's because he went away. Let's try it again. All right. Okay. We are. We just lost Valencia. Will, are you there? Uh, I am here. Okay, go ahead. How can folks find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Will Gibson Seven. Um, Facebook Will Knows, as well as www.wtgsports.com. Andy, how can folks find you? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. Be sure to check out Podstime Jamma on Spotify or Apple, wherever you listen to your podcast. Dayon and I recently recorded an episode that came out this past Thursday, uh, and we talked a little, a little of the similarities that we talked at the beginning of this show. We went a little bit more in depth uh, Michael Resco's comments, Dana Holgerson, and what he talked specifically in terms of the expectations for this coming year. And then we also went back to Kelvin Sampson's availability last Friday, where he talked about Quentin Grimes and Dejan Giroux getting picked by the Knicks and the Heat. And um, yeah, check that out, Pod Simon Jamo, every Thursday, for the most part, new episodes every Thursday, wherever you listen to your podcast. And we're going to close it out so Rocket fans can tune in to ESPN2 530 uh, matchup, Summer League matchup Ooh. between the Rockets. And go ahead, Cal, what are you going to say, Andy? Yeah, I was just going to say um, a couple things. Armani Brooks will not play today due to health and safety protocol. Oh, wow. And and Quentin Grimes just had his summer league debut, had nine points, poor rebounds, uh, struggled a little bit shooting. It's three for 11 from the field, um, uh, three for eight on three. So not the best of you, but like you said, it's summer league. Summer league. So he took two, he took uh, two, three, two-point shots. And didn't make those. Uh, okay, I see. Armani is out, like Andy said, to health and safety protocols. We already had the Wizards didn't have enough healthy players to to for their game against the Pacers. That game was was can't well postponed. But I mean, oh. summer league, so I don't know how they're going to fit in a postponed summer league game. But you know, whatever. But it's still around. Folks still dealing with it. I'm kind of curious to see if Armani's issues will affect the rest of the Rockets. I mean, you know, he, he's a teammate. He's not practicing by himself, you know, so I'm kind of curious to see how that all works out. Um, we will wrap it up. I'm Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review, HoustonRoundBarReview.com, Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube. Twitter is the HR Review. Thanks, Andy, for what he's doing with our uh, Folks Talking Sports Twitter account. And everything he's doing for that. Well, it's good to have youngsters, man, right. to help yeah. out, man. Because, you know, me as an old head, I'm just not hip like on some of the stuff like he is. He gets it out there despite uh, working a nine to five job and, and putting, you know, the work he's doing. Um, thanks to Valencia King. So, you know, technical issues. Maybe the maybe our afternoon times are gremlin filled, man, because seven o'clock time, we don't have these problems. Seven, you know, seven o'clock later in the evening, we seem to be no issues or limited issues. But you can follow Valencia King at I am Valencia King on everything, as you put it. So I am Valencia King, everything, Twitter, Instagram, everything. She knows her stuff, and we'll have her back on in the future on because these folks talking sports live stream shows are here to stay as long as we are able to do them. So we're going to continue doing them. And tune in to ESPN2 now to watch Rockets, Cavs. Will says the only Cav worth watching is Evan Mobley. Well, well, no, one more. I, okay. I forgot. I took a coral. I took a coral. 
his second year. He, he, he was a rookie last year, number five pick from Auburn. Didn't have summer league last year, so it'd be interested to see what he, you know, made all rookie second team last year. So it'd be interested to see what he does. And who is that? Isaac Okoro, the first round okay, pick of the Cavs so last year. Isaac and, and Evan Mobley, that's part of the future right there, right? Will, the young kid, the big man. Yeah. All right. And Rockets, that's how to close it out. Today, Rockets versus Cavs on ESPN2. Tuesday, August 10th, Rockets versus Pistons, 8 o'clock Central on ESPN. August 12th versus the Raptors, 7 p.m. Central on NBA TV. And then on the 15th, August 15th, 7 p.m. also on NBA TV. Four summer league games for each team. And then you have the top two teams advance to the championship game. And then everybody else will play a fifth or sixth game to close out summer league on August 16th and 17th for for the 28 other NBA teams. So, thank, fellas, thank you very much uh, for, for tuning in. Thank you for your insight. We're going to uh, wrap it up. Uh, let's see. I didn't say Rockets. Let's see. What did I say? Rockets 15th at 7 o'clock on NBA TV. That's next Sunday. So do you want to try to have another live stream at 530? That works for me. How about, yeah. how about you, Will? That works. That works? Okay. And for people still tuning in, uh, barring gremlins, uh, Rockets will have post-game media availability after today's game versus the Cavs. You know, if, if it's possible, I'm going to have uh, clips on Houston Ron Barbie on YouTube. So just stay tuned for that later on tonight. So thank you thank to 5,000 plus people who are subscribing to the YouTube channel and the 60 plus thousand folks who viewed Rockets press conference. Thank you very much. Y'all take care and we'll see you next Sunday.